The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of the Dan Scott Show. I am Dan, as always presented, not me, but the show, by Grand Slam Ministries, our 501c3 nonprofit organization. Good to have you with us. Hope that you've had a great week. Look forward to an even better one ahead. And as I have been telling you over the course of the last few weeks, we uh, hope to uh, inform and entertain and if you have had a good week, not do anything to mess it up. And by the time it's all said and done, maybe learn something here that we previously did not know. The show today is going to be a little bit different in format than the usual show that we do from the standpoint that normally I'll do the opening segment, I'll do a closing segment, and in between... We'll have a 35- or 40-minute long-form interview where we really take a deep dive into a person and a story associated with that person. That's not what we're going to do today. Uh, I've got a couple of different smaller things for you today. One with a guy who walked on the moon. I'm not kidding. One of the 12 men in the history of the world who've actually stepped foot on the surface of the moon and then a speech that I gave back in my hometown in August. And then at the end of the program, I'm going to talk to you about the future of Grand Slam Ministries and some of the things that are on the horizon without going into some specific detail, but kind of let you know where we're heading, some of the options and opportunities that are out there, and have you prayerfully consider how you can help us achieve some of the goals that we're shooting for. So that's what we've got on the agenda today. I want to thank you for checking us out on each of our 13 affiliates that we have right now, ranging from radio stations in the area where we are in the state of South Carolina to Georgia to Tennessee and beyond to Internet stations all over the country and, and all over the world. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate and value your listenership. We love having you on board with us and just uh, pray that you'll continue to support what we do. And we would love to hear from you. I say this all the time, but I really mean it. Drop me a line. Let me know which affiliate you're listening on and tell me what you think about what we're doing, good or bad. I am not above criticism. If, if I'm doing something you don't like, please let me know. The email address is dan at danscottshow.org. You can go to the website, danscottshow.org. There's a contact form there. You can fill that out. That comes directly to me, and I promise you I will answer each and every one of those uh, inquiries that comes my way. But we would love to hear from you. Send us a prayer request. We pray for everyone that is sent to us. So if you just simply have something on your mind that you need someone to pray about, I'm here for you. Dan at danscottshow.org. Okay, let's take a break. 
We'll come back, and we are going to have a brief conversation with a guy who walked on the moon. His name is Charlie Duke. We'll be back in just a moment. Grand Slam Ministries exists to glorify Jesus Christ in multiple ways. Through this radio show and its accompanying online, digital, and video components. Through our sister websites, danscottshow.org and grandslamministries.org. And through furthering our core missions, mentorship, and providing food and other necessities to children. None of this is possible without your prayers and support. By making a gift to Grand Slam Ministries today, you'll not only help this program remain on this radio station, you'll help us grow our family of stations, allowing us to bring stories of God working in the lives of men and women everywhere to a larger audience. And at the same time, your gift will help us in the initial launch of those core mission programs. Grand Slam Ministries is in its infancy. We need your support. Will you help us today? Visit our website at grandslamministries.org and prayerfully consider a one-time or monthly gift today. Above and beyond anything else, please pray for our ministry. Thank you and God bless. Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, danscottshow.org. And now, back to the show. It is episode 37 of the Dan Scott Show. As always, we are just so pleased to have you with us. If you have missed any of the previous episodes, you want to catch up on something, listen to something again, you can do so by going to the Affiliates and Archives page at danscottshow.org, and you can access all of the previous episodes from there or wherever you get your podcasts from. And we are everywhere on uh, iTunes, on uh, Google's platform, we're on Spotify, we are on TuneIn, we are even on Pandora. There's basically no way to get away from us. You just search the Dan Scott Show podcast and you'll find us. And all of our episodes are archived, even episodes going back as far as the early part of 2020 when it was known as the Grumpy Old Broadcasters podcast. If you want just some sports stuff and there's some interesting stuff there uh, with guys like Jason Whitlock and some others. But uh, it's all there, danscottshow.org at the Affiliates and Archives page, or just search for the podcast, the uh, Dan Scott Show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I was hoping to get a full-length interview with this next guy, and we are still working on it, and I'm going to try my best to make it happen, but... I didn't want to let too much more time get away without at least playing what we got. And and this is going to be a little bit different because this interview happened during the second inning of a minor league baseball game. Uh, I do the play-by-play for the Greenville Drive, the high Class A affiliate for the Boston Red Sox here in Greenville, South Carolina. 
My broadcast partner, Tom Van Hoy, and I uh, have done those games for five seasons now. And uh, during this particular game was August the 10th of this year. So we're talking just a little over a month ago. It was aerospace engineering night at the ballpark. And our game ops guy stuck his head in the booth about an hour before the game and said, hey, something you might want to know, the guy throwing out the first pitch today walked on the moon. And I'm like, yeah, that might be something I'd want to know. Turns out that Charlie Duke, one of 12 men ever to step foot on the face of the moon and was the youngest man to do it, and still is, in fact, when he did it back in 1972, I believe it was. And uh, there, again, have only been 12 who've ever done it. I believe he was the 10th, the youngest to ever do it. And he went on to become a brigadier general and do so many great things in his career. The greatest thing, though, as you will hear at the end of this interview, was when his life and his marriage was falling apart after all of that glory, giving his life to Christ and he and his wife jointly serving the Lord and forming Duke Ministries for Christ. Now, this entire thing takes place during a baseball broadcast, so you will hear some baseball inside this 12 and a half minutes or so. But you you just need to hear the story. You need to hear him talk about the Moon Olympics, one of the hilarious parts of this 12 minutes or so that we had together. But listen to the last three and a half or four minutes intently to this man's testimony. Charlie Duke, who is a native of South Carolina, one of 12 men ever to step foot on the face of the moon, this is what that in-game interview sounded like back on August the 10th. We are honored to have with us a gentleman who, back in 1972, as a part of Apollo 16, became the 10th man to walk on the moon and the youngest to ever do so. There have only been 12. And he is a Carolina native. He is Charlie Duke. It is great to see you. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Uh, great. It's a big honor throwing out the first pitch. <coughs> that was an honor for us to uh, have you yeah. here. Normally, I got I got to tell you, normally Tom and I, we're pretty tough on people who threw out the first pitch because if you throw it from in front of the mound instead of on the rubber, we, we're big believers that you throw it from back there. But we're giving you a pass tonight because you're a crafty left-hander and you got it there on the fly. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I started to do it from the uh, 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 rubber, but uh, I decided, well, it's been a long time since I played baseball. And, and Alex doesn't give you a chance to warm up either. No, no, yeah, yeah. You have to throw cold. Yeah, well, I, I threw some at, uh, at our yard this afternoon. Practiced a little bit. Trying to make sure, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get it to the plate instead of bouncing it in. Well, it is an absolute pleasure to have you with us here on our broadcast. Um, you're a part of a very exclusive club. There's just 12 men in history who have done what you've done, and you were the youngest to ever do it. Uh, that's true, and uh, there were 12 of us, as you said, but only four of us left alive. 
Right. So there have been uh, uh, eight fatality, eight deaths. And, uh, <laughs> First pitch to Carson Seamus is lined into left field for a base hit, and that's how the drive second inning begins. Charlie Duke is joining us. He threw out the first pitch today, and as mentioned, in 1972 became the 10th man to walk on the surface of the moon. Um, you said only four were alive. Uh, Buzz Aldrin is, is kind of the, the father of the group, right? Uh, uh, he's the grand boo Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's 93. Just got married, by the way, again. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he's still hanging in there. Uh, I'm the, still the youngest uh, that walked on the moon. And then, uh, so two of us are still pretty active, but uh, uh, Dave Scott, who was in Apollo 15, and others, uh, and Buzz, are basically retired. So <clears throat> what, what are you doing with yourself these days? Uh, well, we just moved to Greenville. Uh, I grew up in Lancaster and uh, was a baseball player in my high school days. And... Uh, and but our son Charles lives here, and they have six children, and three of them are married, and uh, one has uh, got a great got a great granddaughter. So we decided to move back to uh, te uh, from Texas to South Carolina. I'm uh, glad we're be uh, glad we're here. My wife and I found out a few years ago there's nothing like grandbabies. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, Tom? When you go back to when you got into it, the space race going on, was that something that uh, you wanted to do at that time, aspire to? to uh, yeah, I uh, uh, was a test pilot, and uh, I'd met some astronauts, as a, as a, and they were, I never met anybody who was so enthusiastic about their job. So I asked them, how did I get that job? <laughs> and uh, they said, well, you go to finish your degree at MIT, Go to test pilot school and you might have a chance. So I followed their advice and. Uh, Wild pitch will send Carson Seamus to second base after Nick Decker struck out. Drive leading at two to one as we continue visiting with. Um, I'm not even going to call you a former astronaut because you're always going to be an astronaut, yeah, always, right? Yeah, just retired astronaut, basically. But anyway, uh, I applied in 1965 and got selected, and there were about, at that time we had uh, eight fatalities. Uh, eight guys got killed, three in a spacecraft fire. We had four kill airplane accidents, and uh, one in an automobile accident. So we sort of bubbled up into the mix, and we started getting, uh, uh, started getting uh, flights. The, yes. the, 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 the spacecraft fire was the one that took Gus Grissom uh, exactly. and, and that crew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, Tom and I were talking about this bef before you came up, uh, just the, the incredible courage that it has to, stay, to take to, in effect, strap yourself to a tin can and be shot to the moon. I know there are some guys who laid the groundwork, but that couldn't have made it any less scary for you to do. Well, it wasn't scary. Uh, really? No. We were prepared. And... Uh, the Saturn had some escape, escape ways to get out off of it if it was going to, if it blew up in uh, going into space, and so uh, we had uh, uh, we had an out, and uh, it was. Uh, Cutter so, coffee strikes out. Go ahead. Uh, that's all right, and so uh, ended up. Uh, uh, there was never any. Uh, 
The only time I had fear when I did something that I wasn't supposed to do, and it's something I've learned in, in going into space, don't do anything in orbit or on the moon that you hadn't practiced down here. So I was going to set the high jump record. Okay. And down here with all my gear on, I weighed 365 pounds. Wow. Uh, up on the moon, 60 pounds. So my legs were strong back then, and I started bouncing. And when I jumped, I straightened up, and my backpack weighed as much as I did, and it just pulled me over backwards. And so that was fearful because I was in trouble. And if I didn't uh, panic and do something, I, I was gone. So I rolled right and broke my fall, uh, landed on my back, and uh, but I was okay. Did, yeah. did uh, your superiors have something to say to you after that was oh, done? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the end of the Moon Olympics. <laughs> yeah, take care of the equipment, too, or right. whatever it was. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the backpack's your life support system. Yeah. And if it breaks, you're dead like that. Was it uh, like what you thought it was going to be the first time you stepped yeah. in? Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we were the fifth landing, so we had a lot of experience talking to – we gained a lot of experience from talking to the other crews. And so it was, uh, the moon was exactly what I thought it would be, uh, but it was still exciting and an adventure and beautiful and Buzz Aldrin called it magnificent desolation and that's what it was. And, uh, but. Uh, Line drive, base hit to center field by Kyle Teal. They're gonna wave Carson Seamus around and he will score without a throw. The rookie is two for two has driven in a run and the drive reclaimed that two-run lead at three to one. So Till now five for seven since being promoted to the drive after only three games at the complex league. We're visiting with Charlie Duke, astronaut, walked on the moon. Obviously that's what you're, you're best known for, but man, you've accomplished a lot in your life. Fighter pilot, military brigadier general i mean tom and i are up here calling balls and strikes yeah. it kind of puts it in we perspective did, we a little didn't bit know if we were supposed to come to attention well it was a great uh, <clears throat> a great experience my career has been very uh i'm still be i flunked retirement so i'm still busy doing uh, motivational talks all around and uh, uh trying to inspire kids to get involved in technology stuff and uh it's uh, so we're, we're traveling still. Oh, oh. I, I'm going to uh, uh, be on a, a podcast with Glenn Beck uh, next week. Mm -hmm. and, no, two weeks from now. I uh, just got back from uh, uh, Alabama at the Space and Rocket Center and been to Paris for the Paris Air Show. And so a lot going on. Castro is called out on strikes, and the inning is over. If you can hang with us just for uh, a few moments. Crowd not real happy, but Castro heading back to the dugout. Drive, get the run, and through two innings, have the 3-1 to one lead when it continued just for a moment with, with uh, Charlie Duke. Tell me about uh, Duke Ministries for Christ. Well, uh, that happened. Uh, we formed that in 1978. <laughs> Our marriage was in really bad trouble. And we were about to get divorced. Uh, my wife was almost uh, suicidal. And uh, we went to our church out of Faith Alive weekend. 
And uh, these people came, shared their faith, and how Jesus had changed their life. And so as a result of that, she went home and said, God, if you're real, I give you my life. If you're not, I want to die. That was in eight, uh, October 1975. And I watched her change from sadness to joy. We were leaving NASA at that point. I was going in the Air Force Reserve, started a business. And uh, two years later, uh, after chasing fame and money, I still had no peace. And my, I watched my wife. And after a Bible study, and we lived in New Braunfels, Texas, one weekend I went to a Bible study. It was April of 1976. No, uh, yeah, 78. And, uh, and at that point I realized that, you know, this is really true. Jesus is the Son of God, or he's a big liar. So I said, Lord, I believe. And when I said that, I said, come into my life. And I got the peace of God the first time ever. And so that changed our marriage, changed our life, changed our family. And so we got so excited and I was inviting, uh, getting invited to speak. And as a result of that, uh, we didn't need the money. I was successful financially. So we formed uh, Duke Ministry for Christ uh, so that the money that did, we did get, uh, we uh, gave it away. That's awesome. G given where you had been before and, and that faith experience, did it give you a greater appreciation for where you were when you were on the moon? Yeah. The heavens declare the glory of God, the psalm says. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. And as I read the scriptures, uh, God describes uh, what I saw. Uh, and uh, in uh, Isaiah, I think it is, he said, God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And in, uh, and, and in other places, uh, the things that I saw and the things that are true are recorded in the scripture. So uh, I, uh, it, the, my faith has just renewed the wonder of God and the awe of God and the orderliness of the universe. It's not an accident. Tom, anything else before we let this gentleman go? Oh, look at that catch by Carson Seamus on a line drive, taking a hit away from Brendan Dixon. Put a star by that one, one down. As a former baseball guy, you got to appreciate that play, don't you? I played first base uh, and uh, pitched a little bit in high school, but I knew when I got out of high school, that was the end of my baseball career. <laughs> Well, as we say, you went with your strength, right? Uh, right, yeah. That's outstanding. Uh, Charlie Duke, thank you for spending some time with us. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks a lot, all guys. Right, thank you. Tom? Tom, nice all to right, meet you thank all. Thank you very much. Uh, all the best. Okay, thanks. Charlie Duke was such a delightful man that day at Fleur Field. He, he was surrounded by so many people who wanted so much of his time. And one of the things that, that really caught my eye when he was down on the field by the first base dugout waiting to go out to throw out the ceremonial first pitch, when the drive players found out who he was, and we're talking about some kids who were as young as 19 years old up to 22, 23, depending on when they were drafted out of college or directly out of high school, more than a handful of them made a beeline 
to this guy. Now, remember, there hasn't been a moon landing anywhere close to their lifetimes. But when they found out who he was, they couldn't get enough of Charlie Duke. And in fact, the drive's manager, Iggy Suarez, the next day talking with Tom and I in his office, as we do before every game, was telling us that had he known that Charlie Duke was throwing out the first pitch and who he was before he got out there, that he may have missed the beginning of the game because he would have been so enthralled he would have kept Charlie Duke in his office talking to him because he loves stuff like that. A remarkable man doing a remarkable thing, but more than that, the testimony that he has is just amazing. Duke Ministries for Christ. You can Google that and find out more about what they do. And I'm still holding out hope that I'll be able to get him on and do a full-length interview with him. Because I have to tell you, Alex Guest, who is our game ops guy who helped us set this up, asked him, like I'm sure many, many people have, are aliens real? And Charlie Duke had a very, very startling and unique response. He said, yes, but in not the way you think. He said, Satan, in the Bible, it says, disguises himself as light, moves back and forth across the earth. And oftentimes that's what people are seeing when they think they're seeing alien life forms, they're seeing Satan moving back and forth, disguised as light. Something to think about, isn't it? Thank you again to Charlie Duke, and we hope to get him on for a full interview. When we come back, I'm going to make a speech. Not live, it's one that was also recorded in August. And I'll set you up for that in just a moment as the Dan Scott Show returns after this from Grand Slam Ministries. Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little, and sometimes nothing, until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's GrandSlamMinistries.org. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at danscottshow.org. And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Dan Scott Show rolling on. On this Sunday, the 17th day of September. Gosh, by the time this show airs, we are, for my purposes, 
three broadcasts deep into the Furman University college football season. And most college football programs are three weeks in. Uh, Major League Baseball season is two weeks away from hitting the playoffs. And uh, would you believe it? College basketball practice begins in about two weeks or so. I mean, it's just unreal. Time marches on. It doesn't slow down for anybody. And that's why this next little segment is something that I still scratch my head over because it's hard to believe that it's been 38 years since I graduated from Williamson High School in Williamson, West Virginia. And I mentioned this a number of weeks ago, uh, kind of in passing on one of our shows, but they apparently ran out of people to nominate, and I was voted into our high school's Athletic Hall of Fame uh, and attended the ceremony on the weekend of August the 4th and 5th back in West Virginia. Now, a little background, the school closed in the spring of 2011 and was consolidated with, I think, three other schools in the county to make one large school. It's just an economically depressed area in southern West Virginia where coal was king for over 100 years. And I'm going to get on my soapbox and get myself in trouble here if I'm not careful, but because of the combination of politics and uh, greedy coal mining operators being in bed together, there was never really any provisions made for any other kind of consistent industry to support the area. And when the coal industry fell apart, which ultimately it was going to do, so did the economy of the area. And if you go up Interstate 77 and you get off at Bluefield, West Virginia, and you get on US 52 and drive north, you will drive through what is some of the most economically depressed parts of the country that you will see anywhere, through little towns like Bramwell and North Fork and Welch and Gilbert and into Williamson. It's about a two, two and a half hour drive, and, and I didn't mention all of the little towns that are there. But back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, those places were boom towns. In, in fact, the little town of Bramwell, right outside of Bluefield, their high school mascot, back in the days when they had a high school there, their high school mascot was the millionaires. Why? Because per capita... Bramwell had more millionaires in that little area than any place in the United States because of the coal industry. Well, the coal industry has gone almost completely belly up, as we know. And the area is depressed. The school closed down in 2011. And my hometown, which when I grew up there and graduated high school in 1985, had a population of somewhere over 8,000 was a, a great little small town to grow up in, now has barely over 2,000 people in it. It's home. My parents still live there. 
And when I was back there in August, I got a chance to see people that I hadn't seen in over 30 years. So it, it was really mixed emotions, sad because of what the area has become. And my youngest daughter especially loves going back there and visiting with my parents. And I, I just wish, as I tell people all the time, I wish she could see the town that I grew up in. That's no longer there and it's not coming back. But the memories are there, and the people that I saw that weekend were there. And it brought back a lot of a lot of pride that I felt in the town, and a lot of pride that I felt in the school, because in that small community, there was an athletic bond that for decades kept that community together and very similar communities all around it that made that area of southern West Virginia, especially in the sport of basketball, a national power. It was an incredible place to be. It really was. So to be voted into my high school's Athletic Hall of Fame some 38 years after I graduated and to go in with one of my best friends who graduated the same year I did, it was just special. But the most special part about it and the reason that I wanted to share my acceptance speech with you is not to bring myself any glory, was because it gave me an opportunity to give the glory where it belongs, to Jesus Christ. So you're going to hear, first of all, a guy named Kyle Lovern, who either got the privilege or the short straw of being the one to induct me. Uh, if a friend, uh, he and I followed similar paths working uh, at the radio station and the newspaper there. He's a few years older than I am, played baseball at the high school. And um, so it was, it was really nice to have him as the one who inducted me into the hall. And then I spoke for about uh, seven and a half, eight minutes. So I just wanted you to hear that. Um, to give you a little bit of an idea of, of what that small community meant to me. But more than that, just another opportunity to share what Jesus Christ meant to me. Take a listen. Thank you, Harold. Uh, it's a privilege for me to induct this next member of the Hall of Fame. Uh, I love his family. They're dear friends of mine. Many of them are here today. Uh, he and I sort of mirrored our careers in many ways. We both played baseball for the Wolfpack and we both worked at WBTH, which we've got a lot of stories there we can tell. Both worked the way he was in Daily News. Uh, did Wolfpack basketball and football games on the radio. Uh, we're both diehard Reds and Celtics fans. We had a lot of good stories over that. Uh, he was brave enough to move on. He went to bigger and better things. He became a play-by-play -play announcer for Clemson University of Baseball and Women's Basketball, I think. Now he's the voice of the Furman Purple Paladins, and he got to uh, go to March Madness last year on their run and play and broadcast uh, in the uh, big tournament, NCAA tournament. But now I'll talk a little bit about his exploits uh, as a Williamson High School athlete. He was a letterman in basketball from 83 to 85, letterman in baseball also from 1983 to uh, 1985. He was a West Virginia Class AA Boys Baseball All-State Honorable Mention selection in uh, 85, his senior year. He was a member of the Wolfpack sectional and regional basketball teams in 84 and 85. 
Uh, he was Williamson Daily News All Area Baseball Team selection in both '84 and '85. He was the co-recipient of the WHS Baseball Award his senior year in 1985. And I know everybody's hot, and we're trying to move along. So, uh, without further ado, I would like to present our next Hall of Famer, Daniel Boone Scott. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, we did take similar paths, uh, although it was a little baffling to me that for a guy who worked in radio, you couldn't figure out the feedback we were getting on the microphone system here. Um, thank uh, Jeff Reynolds, the Hall of Fame committee. Um, my wife Angela is here. My parents are here. My brother and his family are here. And uh, I know that it's been a long afternoon. I will do my best to be brief, but they just turned the microphone over to somebody who talks three hours at a time. So you might be in trouble. Might, yeah, exactly. One of the cool things about this is getting to meet somebody that I had never met before. I had never met John Dillard before, and we're going into this class, and Brian and I took a chance, or took the chance a moment ago before we started all this to introduce ourselves to him, and, and then John told me, he said that, Stuart Hyde is your cousin. He said that Stuart told him a little bit about me, and my immediate response was, then I need 10 minutes for rebuttal. <laughs> so we'll do that later. When I found out about this incredible honor that had been bestowed on me, I immediately thought to myself, well, what am I going to say? And I suppose there's always the expectation of the self-deprecating humor, right? You know, like if the town is small enough and the school's been closed long enough, eventually your name is going to come up. Or the old Groucho Marx line, that I wouldn't want to belong to any club that would have me as a member. But the thing that I kept coming back to was this. This is just another crown that someday I'll lay at the feet of our Lord and Savior. Because nothing that I've accomplished in my life has been made possible without him. As I thought about the 100 plus year history of Williamson High School and what, 242, 242 uh, Hall of Fame inductees now, I can say with no false humility that I'm among the least deserving of the members of this exclusive club, but I can also say that nobody appreciates it or embraces it like I do. I love this school and I love this town. And in order to get to a point like this, you have to have Hall of Fame help along the way. And it's not necessarily people who might be enshrined into this, <clears throat> into this club but for instance, I had Hall of Fame parents who taught me right from wrong, not that I always listened. But they laid, yeah, I, I don't need any response from over there. Everybody knows. But they laid the groundwork for the man that I would eventually become. Took a while. Hall of Fame wife 
who put up with more than anybody should have until we both got on the same page with Christ as the head of our household. <clears throat> Hall of Fame coaches, Brian's mentioned the two that I was going to mention. I've gained the reputation of being a quote-unquote baseball guy for the past 30-some-odd years. I've worked closely with National Collegiate Hall of Fame baseball coaches, with former big leaguers, high-caliber minor league managers and coaches. But everything, everything I learned about playing the game the right way, I learned from Greg Smith. Everything I learned about team chemistry and the sum being greater than its individual parts. I learned from David Hatfield, playing on that team that came within seven points of getting a chance to play for a state championship. Hall of Fame teammates. I mean, it's just right that Brian and I are going in together because we played sports from Little League all the way up and his friendship and his encouragement is just one of the many, many examples along the way. Hall of Fame teachers, I lost my mind yesterday when I saw June Glover walk in here. <laughs> I had her for a social studies class. I didn't have her for English. That Brian and I had Rose McCoy for English. But she and, and anybody who had her remembers that her tests were four questions and they were essay tests and you had to write a page for each question. And she saw something in my writing ability after the first test that caused her to make me write a term paper for her every six weeks even though I didn't have her for English. <laughs> but it was that kind of tough love that cultivated and improved a skill that would serve me well for a decade in the newspaper business. Hall of Fame education, it, it irks me when I hear people talk about how bad the education in West Virginia is. Now, I can't speak for what it is now, but I can speak for what it was. Just in my graduating class of 85, we're talking doctors. I mean, Daniel Snavely is one of the most respected cardiologists in the business right now. Educators. High finance, you know, talked about Brian's job a moment ago, was once told me that you couldn't talk to him unless you had over a million dollars in assets, which as I thought about that earlier today, it explains why you never return my phone calls. <laughs> Not the only reason, he said. But from that all the way down to the backbone of this country, truck drivers, factory workers, and even a guy who runs his mouth for a living. And I could go on, but I think you get the point that, yes, I'm incredibly honored to be included in this exclusive club, the Williamson High School Athletic Hall of Fame. But in the end, it's Williamson itself, the school, the city, the people that made today possible. And regardless of the fact that the doors closed in 2011, Williamson High School was and is a Hall of Fame institution. And nobody, and nothing anybody says can ever change that. Thank you. Go back.
And yeah, as you heard, I got emotional and I'm not ashamed. We'll be back to close out the show right after this. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers, we need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is grandslamministries.org. Follow us on social media. Search Grand Slam Ministries on Facebook and Grand Slam for God on Twitter. And don't forget Dan's personal and public figure sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to The Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Back for a final segment on this 37th episode of The Dan Scott Show. Our thanks again to Charlie Duke, one of just 12 men who have ever walked on the surface of the moon. Thank him for joining Tom Van Hoy and me in the Greenville Drive booth back on August the 10th. And again, still working to try and get a full-length interview with him. I really want to explore his testimony a little more and, and some other things from his life, but that at least gives you a snapshot of the man and his story. And I think it's important. And this is, again, why I'm doing this. And I hope that as you've been listening to this show for however long you've been on board with us, whether it's all the way back to January the 8th or just in the last few weeks, or maybe today's your first show and you're trying to figure out who is this guy and what's he doing and why is he doing it, it's that last three and a half or four minutes of the Charlie Duke interview when somebody who has had the career that he had, he walked on the moon, he was a brigadier general, he had all of the worldly success you could have. And his wife was suicidal. His world was falling apart until she found Christ. And then he found Christ, and suddenly everything changed. Those are the stories that we're telling here. Those are the stories that need to be told, and I keep saying it over and over and over again. And and not from the political side of things like you hear from so many people are seeing social media when they say, oh, you don't see this in the mainstream media or you don't see that in the mainstream media when they're trying to shove their political stuff down your throat. I'm telling you that you don't hear stories like Charlie Duke in the mainstream media. You don't hear the testimony side because sharing what Jesus Christ has done in your life ain't going to make the national news. It's not going to make headlines. 
It's something that people are going to either gloss over or they're not going to talk about it because they're afraid to offend somebody else. That's why I do what I do. And that's why I'm, I'm praying every single day for God to show me what to do with the direction of this show. If you've been paying attention, you know that we are losing 94.5 The Answer as our flagship. 100,000-watt station booms into four states based in Greenville, South Carolina. They're the ones that got us started. They and uh, our good friend Benji Greason and his station in Abbeville, 92.9 FM, were there on week one. It is terrible news for the people who work there because that station is being sold and so many people are losing their jobs because of it. And it has obviously caused us and many other people like me who count on that station as a way to get the word out about what they're doing some issues. But as we know, God is faithful. And while I am not in a position right now to share specific details, I can tell you that this week alone I have had serious conversations with two different Christian radio companies that with the stroke of a pen could take this radio show from being on six over-the-air radio stations to as many as 30. Just like that. I've had another conversation previously that could get this radio show on Sirius XM. That one is more down the road. The conversations that I've had this week are tangible and much more immediate. And the good news is they're doable. They're not significantly greater financially than what we're paying right now. And I've told you this before, I, I struggle talking about money. If you've heard my testimony, money was a god for me. It was an idol for me. And the last thing I want to do is I want to come on here and sound like the, the TV preachers who, who have given Christianity a bad name and, and all these other people and, and who, who preached a prosperity gospel and say, send us your money and all your problems are going to go away. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am doing is telling you that it takes resources to do what we're trying to do here. And God has an infinite source of resources. He has more resources. He has all the resources. Everything we own, we think we own it. He owns it. And by the time I get the refund for the unused portion of the original contract we signed, we're going to be about halfway towards what we need to be able to do what we did initially, and that is write a check to prepay an entire year and not have a financial burden hanging over top of us. Now, you can look at that one of two ways. 
that's a great way to operate, that's being a great steward of the money. Or the other side, and I go back and forth on this, how much faith are you showing if you're not willing to step out and do that? And that's one of the things I'm praying about. But I do know this. Either way, it's going to take resources. So I'm asking you to pray. And if in any way this show has touched you, if this show has, has meant anything to you, prayerfully consider making a gift of any kind. I, I've told you we want to get to the point where we have 200 people giving $25 a month and 200 people giving $10 a month. That is not a lot. If you can't do that, if you can just make a one-time gift, please consider doing so. And I was talking with somebody the other day. There are one or two people who are listening to the sound of my voice right now who I believe God is speaking to who could make a significant difference in our ministry with the stroke of a pen. I don't know who you are. God does. All I know is this. He's faithful. He has brought us this far, and he's not going to let us wither on the vine for lack of resources. I can't make you any promises other than the fact that I'm going to continue to do my best to be a good steward of what he provides. So if he puts it on your heart to make a donation, please go to danscottshow.org. There's a tab you can click there, and you can donate right there online. Or you can send a check to Grand Slam Ministries, P.O. Box 35, Central South Carolina, 29630. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. I'm Dan Scott. God bless you. So long, everybody.